Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome. Great to have you with us. And you know, Americans have fallen into a bad habit or two. We used to be known world over for being plain-spoken, hardworking, fairly modest, and God-fearing, known as well for our ingenuity, our sense of humor, and being plain-spoken. As you know, we've lost credit for many of those values and traits over the decades. But plain-spoken is a virtue we can easily reclaim for our national character. Too often, folks seem to be holding back to avoid hurt feelings, to avoid sensitive subjects, to avoid direct answers to direct questions, or fancy up titles like garbage workers or sanitation workers, teachers or educators, news reporters are really correspondents, and soldiers and sailors are now service members. The Democrats were liberals. Then they were progressives. Some will now admit to being outright socialists but they still don't want to be what most of them really are. They're at best Marxist Democrats, some outright communists. So leftists, be warned. You're now in American territory with the Great America Show, and we do try to be plain spoken here. And is everybody ready? Because here we go. The Marxist Dem special counsel, Jack Smith's team, is to appear in a Florida courtroom today. Their purpose? to hound and to politically persecute President Donald Trump. Smith is seeking a protective court order to prevent President Trump and his team from delaying the trial for the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago and their seizure of presidential documents. In the Marxist motion to be heard by Judge Eileen Cannon today, the Marxist activist Smith wants the court to keep some information and material withheld from the president. Smith demanding that President Trump not be able to see certain subjects, to talk about certain subjects. Now he wants to keep evidence from the man Smith is trying to put in prison. The filing states this, quote, The defense may not disclose classified information to the defendants unless that same information has been previously disclosed to the defense by the defendants or provided by the government with markings indicated it may be disclosed to the defendants, end quote. What happened to plain spoken, right? It seems highly peculiar to me that a prosecutor would be withholding potentially critical documents from any defense, which in my non-lawyerly opinion should certainly guarantee the president an appeal depending the outcome of the case. President Trump was our special guest yesterday on The Great America Show and had this to say about the weaponization of the federal government and in particular, the Justice Department, and just how much money that corrupt Department of Justice has spent to harass, to hound, and try to destroy him. The Justice Department, or the Injustice Department as we call it, is is literally uh, weaponized. It's weaponized against a political candidate that le- that's leading 
Think of it, a political candidate that's leading Biden by many points and also leading the Republicans by many points. And they've weaponized it. Nobody thought it was possible over nonsense. And they've spent, I guess now the number is 11 million, but that's as of a couple of months ago. So that number would be like 20 million, 25 million dollars. And don't forget, you have to do one other thing. You have to add to that the Mueller report where they spent 48 million dollars and all of the other nonsense. They probably spent hundreds of millions of dollars on trying to get me. These are longtime fascists and Marxists and communists in our country. And uh, we got to win in 24 or we're going to lose our country. As President Trump said, 2024 is a must win for the republic to survive the untold evil the Marxist Dems have unleashed on America. And Dr. Fauci comes to mind. He still may be in hiding, but that's not stopping members of Congress from looking into some of his highly unethical and questionable things done while at the National Institutes of Health. Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers, the chair of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, released a report this week that accuses Fauci and other health officials of illegally approving $26 billion in grants paid for, of course, by you and me, the American taxpayers. Rogers said 14 NIH officials, including Dr. Fauci, held unlawful positions and exercised authority that they didn't have, which included approving $26 billion in grants. She accused the NIH of misleading the committee over the past year of the investigation. As you know, in Washington, accountability is hard to come by. Turning now to a topic that has little to no accountability, the January 6th committee and all the evil that they have spawned. For the past two and a half years, the government has been overcharging and illegally charging and holding defendants. One defendant has the courage to take on the system. January 6th defendant Edward Jacob Lang is asking the Supreme Court to hear his challenge against one of the 11 charges against him. That charge is obstruction of an official proceeding a charge that could carry a 20-year sentence. Before his trial, the plaintiff filed a motion to dismiss the obstruction charge, which was granted by the D.C. District Court, then ultimately overturned by the corrupt appellate court. Jacob's attorney says the obstruction charge could be levied against anyone who attends a public demonstration gone awry. The charge is nothing less than the weaponization of the penal code to stifle dissent. It sets a terrifying precedent unworthy of this nation's history. I want to bring in now our guest. He's Stephen Sund, the former chief of Capitol Hill Police. He was there on January 6th in charge of the Capitol Police Department. Stephen, it's great to have you with us here on The Great America Show. We're delighted that you took the time to be with us. As I said, we're two and a half years distant from January 6th. Do you feel any differently today than then? Well, first, thank you very much for having me on, uh, Lou. It's a pleasure to be on your show today. Uh, it's it's interesting, you know. The first couple of weeks after January six, you know, I was uh, you know, shell shocked. I'd say, uh, having mm-hmm. done a thirty year career, law enforcement career in the city, um, so I was a little shell shocked. You know, I did my best to try and uh, communicate, and a lot of people may not know this. And I, I talk about it in my book uh, with with leadership. I wrote an eight page letter to leadership, got zero responses. And at the time, I think I was still pretty darn close to what we're going to see. We're going to see, um, 
this is going to turn into an institutional failing on a number of uh, num- number of levels. But I've come to just learn a lot more. At the time, I didn't realize just how bad some of the response was from the military, just how bad uh, some of the intelligence that existed coming into January 6th was um, that that was not made available to me. Uh, and just how bad the oversight of the Capitol Police was, the political oversight, which has not changed to this day. Uh, so you'd think, you know, coming up here, we are, like you said, over two years, almost two and a half years. Uh, and it's still it's still a mess uh, downtown. Uh, the issues, I think, that occurred, uh, I have no more better feeling wouldn't wouldn't occur to get, occur again. Um, so I, I think I've just gotten to know the fidelity uh, a little bit clearer since Jan- uh, January 6, 2021. And I want to, again, you're going to hear me say this several times during our discussion here. The book is Courage Under Fire. And uh, and the author, of course, is Stephen Sund. And Steve, I just your sense, uh, your opinion about uh, that that day, has it changed uh, over that time? It's it's changed since the original event occurred. Um it, it's I'd say it's changed uh, considerably. And, you know, gosh, where do you you know, where do you want to start? There's so many different avenues we can go down. But, you know, like I was saying, when you find out just, you know, one about the intelligence uh, that existed and I've done major events in Washington, D.C. Uh, for years, I've had um, uh, concerns for terrorism come up. I've worked closely with the bureau, closely with DHS. And none of the intelligence this time seemed to be handled the way it was uh, in previous events. They'd do conference calls. They'd do an executive briefing. They'd bring bring um, the chiefs down for a uh, secure briefing in the skiff down at uh, uh, WFO. None of that occurred this time. No joint intelligence bulletin uh, came out. And now you look at the threat streams associated with this. Um, it's just it's it's very concerning when you look at that. And then you think, you know, the National Guard you know, had 340 National Guard uh, personnel activated to support the D.C. request. Mm-hmm. And we'll go to my request. Um, and they wouldn't move any of those personnel, many within eyesight for hours. And I was begging and pleading on the uh, phone with the uh, Pentagon for them to send me any assistance they could. And they wouldn't move them for hours. They they arrived basically when the uh, fight was over. Um, but, yeah, you, you, you look at it and it's just, you know, the more I learn, the more I realize you know, Congress was the one responsible for passing the law. Uh, I'm the only chief in the United States of America that actually has a law. It's 2 U.S.C. 1970 and 2 U.S.C. 1974 that requires I go and I get Capitol Police Board approval and congressional leadership approval prior to bringing in any federal resources in advance of an event. I wanted the National Guard. January 3rd, I went and asked multiple times for the National Guard with the uh, Sergeant Arms and was denied. Uh, and that's a law Congress passed. Um, and that law to this, to a certain extent, still exists. The only thing they changed is during an emergency, uh, like we had on January 6th, I did, I don't have to go to the Capitol Police Board anymore. I can, the chief can request it on their own. Uh, but the funny thing is they, they made it revocable by leadership, you know, so so it's still way too politicized. And when you mix uh, political oversight with uh, law enforcement security, it's a recipe for disaster. I can't imagine how it could have been much more politicized than it was. That environment, as we look back on it, we're, and I agree with you, the intelligences that I've uh, looked at over the uh, these two years, I, I, I'm just stunned at how uh, incomplete uh, the chain of command was in what it knew from one level to the next. 
I, I am stunned by the idea that somehow this was going to be a benign uh, and uh, not an unruly event, despite the hyper-political charged uh, nation in which it was occurring in the nation's capital. Uh, I would have I would have just thought common sense in most cases would have been enough to say, uh, let's beef up, let's get ready for whatever transpires. I never thought it would end up with the, the violence that it did in several places. But on the whole, to look at that uh, that day, I have to wonder uh, why the the leadership. Now you're talking about the sergeant of arms. The sergeant of arms reported to the speaker of the house, did he not? That is absolutely correct. The house sergeant of arms report. Uh, Paul Irving reported to um, Speaker Pelosi. And and Nancy Pelosi is the one pushing back against any further uh, any. And I'm not speaking about this as a partisan. I am with I will tell you straight up. I am a partisan. Uh, I happen to believe that Donald Trump is the man uh, of the of this time uh, in our in our history. And I think he was denied the presidency uh, for a number of reasons. The January 6th among them. Uh, and the way in which the Democrats exploited it. But I want to ask you, why do you believe she did not want to bring troops, uh, whatever reinforcements she could to that moment? There was a concern, um, and I found this out later from Michael Stinger, the uh, uh, Senate Sergeant Arms. There was a concern over the the look, the optics, as as mm-hmm. as she said. And I'll tell you, this is now I found a little bit more as we look into January 6th. So shortly after um, January 6th, I want to say maybe October 2021, um, yeah, I was able to have a couple of meetings with Stinger. Um, uh, we had both left the, the department. He had mentioned, I said, hey, how do you know I was coming over to your office to ask for the National Guard? And he explained how. And I said, well, why such a quick denial? And he said Paul Irving was absolutely against it because he said Pelosi would never go for it because of the optics. Uh, and it was a concern. She, I think I believe she was the one that referred to National Guard and the federal um, agents on the streets of cities during the 2020 riots as stormtroopers. And she didn't want that look on the uh, on the hill. Well, you know, the look we had was was a whole lot worse. You know, and you, you talk about what what occurred that day. You know, any loss of life is is absolutely tragic. Um, the shooting that we had, nobody wants to see any any loss of life. But when you think about what could have happened, and you think about, you know, I had members of Congress, uh, Tim Ryan, um, you know, who wasn't a big supporter of, the, of law enforcement as it was, but nonetheless was screaming at me uh, afterwards why we didn't open fire on the uh, on the group. That would have been a hell of a dark day for America. Good lord. If if law enforcement had just gone ahead and opened up fire, open fire. And as you and I are talking here, hundreds, hundreds of J6 political prisoners, because I believe that's what they are, remain in federal custody uh, in jails and prisons uh, around the D.C. area. Uh, and, and in nearly every instance. So, again, this is my opinion. Uh, every prosecutor overcharged. Every judge oversentenced. Uh, it's it's the most uh, I think heinous uh, transgression against this country's values and, and and constitutional rights I've ever seen. So I'll tell you this, um, and and again I talk about this in, in the book. I'm a rule of law type of person. I'm a I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a rule of law type person. Uh, and when you look at, you know, what's what's going on and the response and the prosecutions you had uh, and the, the, the claims of the insurrection for January 6th, you know, let's harken back to was it May 30th through June 2nd, 2020, when you had the crowds attacking the White House. Um, mm-hmm. 
you had um, in January 6, you had approximately 100, little over 170 officers injured. Uh, December, I mean, um, 2020 down at the White House, you had over 180 officers. So more officers were injured down at the White House. They shut down White House operations. They forced the president to retreat down into the uh, bunker and and uh, and staff. That's shutting down a government operation. That's just as much an insurrection as what occurred up on uh, up on the Hill by and definition. Who, and who were uh, those demonstrators and rioters? Right. Well, how many of those were prosecuted? It's my understanding all charges were dropped against them. You had multiple cases of arson. They lit structures on fire in Lafayette Park. They lit St. John's Church on fire and they tried to light the, the Hay Adams Hotel, which is occupied on fire. Zero prosecutions out of that. Well, the rule of law is uh, is critically important to this nation. And I believe that the rule of law uh, has never been more uh, uh, more vulnerable and in jeopardy for a host of reasons, which we'll take up with Stephen Sund, uh, the former chief of the uh, Capitol Police Department. Uh, we're coming right back with Steve. Stay with us after these quick words uh, from our sponsors. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back now with Stephen Sun. We're talking about uh, the January 6th, of course, uh, and I want to tell you that his book, Courage Under Fire, I want to recommend it to you highly, Under Siege, outnumbered 58 to 1 on January 6th. Uh, he was the man in the in the cauldron uh, on that day. Uh, we were just talking about the difference in, in the way in which uh, Antifa, uh, left-wing demonstrators uh, uh, and protesters and rioters, were treated and that uh, those who were uh, b both rioters and as well innocent, in my judgment, absolutely innocent victims and political prisoners. Uh, I, I think you're making a great point because as a, you say you're a man of law uh, and an officer of the law as well. It is incredible, this, this system of justice that's being denied to millions of Americans and Frankly, there is no uprising. I'm astonished there hasn't been on the part of the Republican Party, independents, and everyone else uh, who has been who is threatened uh, by this this ugliness that is emanating from the Department of Justice, the FBI, and of course the White House. I, I like, like I said, you know, being the rule of law person, I, I agree. When you look at you know the way the rioters were treated uh, during 2020 versus the uh, 2021 event up at the uh, Capitol. Uh, definite a stark difference. Uh, there seems to be, you know, a, an attack on the rule of law. There seems to be attack on, on First Amendment. 
Uh, and, and it's very concerning what the what the youth. I agree that you know it's it's concerning that there wasn't an uprising in uh, in 2020 and demand for you know civility to the what do they call them mostly peaceful protests. Uh, and then you know you see the reaction that they had up at the uh, at the Capitol. And, and I got to tell you, when you look at the way the intelligence was dubbed down, the way the military wouldn't come to my assistance. Um, the way I had to wait 71 minutes while we were under attack, Lou, 71 minutes uh, while, while my officers were fighting on the West Front uh, before I could get approval from the Capitol Police Board to even bring in federal resources. Think about that. It took 81 minutes before the first window of the Capitol was broken. People don't realize uh, if they really were concerned about, you know, stopping that, they would have given me the resources I needed and given me a, an approval to bring in federal resources much, much quicker. It's hard not to think that there's, you know, something a little more nefarious behind this. I want to get your sense of what is behind it. Uh, and why, for example, was there such a quick denial on the part of the military? Uh, why was there such a quick and apparently uh, standing a rejection of your request for more uh, support, uh, reinforcements, uh, and troops uh, by the the Speaker of the House. When everyone was watching, a very large number of people uh, there on that on that day. So a lot of a lot of different aspects to that that question. I will let's go back and first look at the at the military. Uh, when you now realize that General Milley and um, Christopher Miller, the Acting Secretary of Defense. Both on the the Sunday, January third, the same day that I was talking about getting the National Guard, were on a conference call talking about shutting down the city because they were so worried about the level of violence that was expected. Yet the very next day, Christopher Miller puts out a memo that restricts the National Guard from carrying any civil disturbance gear, any helmets, riot shields, anything like that. That just doesn't make any sense. They're, they're so worried about the violence taking place on, on the Capitol. They talked about revoking the permits on the Capitol. You, you know who signs those permits? I do. Uh, my intelligence unit actually re recommended approval of those um, at a low risk of, of civil disobedience. That's the type of intelligence that I was getting. And, and all the intelligence I outline clearly make available in the book. You know, literally it was you know, told it was going to be just like the previous two uh, demonstrations. A matter of fact, one of the uh, uh, deputy chiefs in charge of intelligence was briefing members of Congress on that Tuesday before uh, January 6th, on January 5th, that it was going to be just like the previous two events. So my hands going into this are tied because if I don't, if the intelligence doesn't portray what we're expecting, I'm not going to get the approval for better fencing, mutual aid, National Guard. Uh, so we're, we're hamstrung going into it. Uh, so that's you know that's one aspect of why the military was was such a big problem. And think about it, even while we're under attack, and they won't send any military assistance, even while people, military officers, and now it turns out they did have the right gear with them, that were within eyesight of the Capitol, they sent a um, they sent uh, Pentagon resources to generals' homes to protect their homes, <laughs> but they wouldn't send them to the Capitol. That's just ludicrous. Why is it that, in your judgment, the intelligence was so far off? What was the source of that intelligence? Was it did you have your own uh, agents and officers uh, in that regard, finding out what's going on or trying to, or was it the Metropolitan Police? Was it uh, who was it? Okay, so the the way it works is I do have I have a intelligence division. 
Uh, they're an intelligence division, which is part of the Capitol Police. They're not part of the IC, the statutory IC. Uh, they work closely with DHS, work closely with FBI, and within there I have analysts. Uh, then I have directors uh, and assistant directors, and then within my intelligence unit. So they should have been working real closely with the FBI, getting access to some intelligence. I'm now finding out that there was a fair amount of intelligence provided to them. Uh, there's a number of whistleblowers, just like you're seeing come out in uh, the FBI. Within my own agency, there were several whistleblowers within the intelligence unit that has come out and said, hey, we're pushing all this intelligence up. It wasn't being included in the intelligence uh, assessments being provided to leadership and to the rank and file. What was the uh, bottleneck? What was, oh, uh, well, bottleneck, but you, you tend to wonder why. Um, there was an intelligence briefing by my intelligence unit on January 4th. Guess who they didn't invite? Me. I've probably got the most experience of any police officer up on Capitol Hill handling major demonstrations, and they don't invite me to the, one of the final intelligence briefings? That's what decision was that? Uh, that came out of the Intel, uh, the um, Protective Services Bureau that oversees the intelligence unit. There's a uh, deputy chief, uh, Gallagher, uh, that... Uh, coordinated the meeting with his uh, with his staff. So somewhere in that line, uh, they elected not to have me there. What's interesting is they were later asked by um, Carol Lennig of the Washington Post, hey, why wasn't Chief Sunning invited to this? And the department's response was because it wasn't a meeting he would usually attend. This was more of a discussion operational meeting. This isn't a meeting Sun would usually attend. Well, I find that odd because I always attended intelligence meetings. I always ask specific questions. And if you sure as hell think the Capitol is about to come under attack and members of Congress are going to be at risk of, of you know losing their lives or injury, you sure, sure as heck would expect this chief of police to be invited. That's that's just nonsense. Um, so as we look at the as we look at the sequence that day, the the West Side, the exit door that's left wide open, three hundred and nine uh, demonstrators walk in peacefully. Uh, they might as well have been invited and handed, uh, you know, ID bracelets. Uh, how did that happen? And what was the spark that turned that demonstration for many of those demonstrators into a riot? Yeah, the, the the spark is interesting because as you as you're coming up to 1253 is when the the fight on the West Front began. Uh, 1241, I think it was, we had the um, 1242, we had the suspicious package found over at the Republican National Committee. Um, so we're dealing with the pipe bomb. 1253, I look down, I see a group of, um, of uh, protesters approaching the West Front and we have officers down at what's called the Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue walkways. They approach and almost immediately begin fighting with my officers. Uh, we don't have we don't have audio uh, from the uh, camera, so I can't hear what's being said down there. But afterwards, you see what looks like some people almost instigating some of the some of the crowd into into attacking my officers. Uh, an individual by the name of Ray Epps, um, he was seen the day before talking about the need to get into the Capitol. He's seen down at the I believe it's the Pennsylvania Avenue walkway. Uh, just moments before, you know, whispering in the ear of one of the uh, rioters, and then all of a sudden the rioter starts, you know, fighting with my officers. Um, so I don't know what the spark was that that uh, kicked it off. I've had many demonstrations that I've handled. I've never and seen who it was that that was whispering in his ear? Um, a gentleman by the name of uh, they were identified as uh, Ray Epps, and that that gentleman has been the focal point of from almost the very beginning of the after action reporting. I'll put it that way. Uh, a prominent role, and we know absolutely nothing about him. 
we're going to we're going to continue, uh, obviously, uh, with Stephen Sund, who is the former chief of the Capitol Police. And I want to I want to carry it from here, Steve, to who were those folks instigating? What do you think their roles were and how did they come to be uh, on the uh, uh, on the Capitol grounds that day? We're going to continue with Stephen Sund right after these quick words. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're back. We're talking with Stephen Sund, and his book is Courage Under Fire. I, I just... Again, want to recommend it to you highly. Uh, and, and Steve, let, let's let's talk about the the spark. And you're you're highlighting one instance of what looked to you to be obviously instigation with Ray Epps standing there, whispering in the ear of a person who went on, if I'm uh, if I'm reporting on your words correctly, went on to to, to breach the Capitol. Well, not went on to breach the uh, the barricade that was right there. Right. The individual that started fighting with the officers, I'm not sure where they uh, ultimately ended up, but uh, I do address address it in the book. It's you know it's it's interesting. You see it come up, and you see the people begin to fight. Um, and and I will say, you had it, what looked like core groups of people in the in the crowds that were fighting with the officers. I do think there was a number of people that I, you know I'd refer to them. I don't know the term strap hangers. That maybe they were like, hey, just you know, coming along to see what was going, what was happening. But mm-hmm. you look at, you know, what I was seeing from in the command center, and you're, you're absolutely right. I was in the center of this. I'm up in the command center at 12:53. I see them hit the uh, officers on the west front, begin fighting. And like I said, I've never seen a group come and immediately start um, getting that confrontational with officers. And I've done demonstrations for years. Um, I immediately called the Washington D.C. Police Department, our partner agencies, for the assistance uh, and for uh, mutual aid. Uh, they immediately sent in officers. My next call was to the sergeant arms, and that's when the 71-minute uh, clock starts ticking, when you see some of the worst fighting happen. You know, as I looked down in the crowd, yeah, I saw people people that were coming up. They were jabbing my officers with flagpoles. They had spray, their own kind of chemical spray. Um, uh, I saw uh, one, one protester fall of a heart attack uh, from up, you know, we were, as we were watching the command center. Uh, but there was a number of people that clearly came. Uh, with a with a goal. Uh, I'm not going to say it was everybody in the crowd, but clearly came with a goal of breaching breaching the Capitol at all costs. Uh, a lot of those officers, especially the D.C. police, who I used to work with for tw- over 25 years, they're hardened CDU, Civil Disturbance Unit officers, and they were they were battling pretty hard to keep the people out of the uh, 
uh, out of the capital. And 81 minutes is a long time to fight before the first window is broken. Uh, you had brought up about the the door. I'll tell you, um, the door I'm just hearing more about, I think, um, uh, just the news. Uh, mm-hmm. yes. some of that uh, Yesterday, you got to understand, you know, Nancy Pelosi goes on national TV the very next day, calls for my resignation. Uh, I talked to the Capitol Police Board, submit my letter of resignation, doing a, ch- a couple of week transition. The very next day, I get a call at home the morning of the very next day and says, you're out immediately. And who do they put? They put the assistant chief in charge of intelligence back in to be the acting chief. Um, the one so, who forgot I, to bring you to a meeting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, it was her. It was her division. Um so and the, the failure of intelligence, but needless to say, so I'm out. So I wasn't there when they were going through all the the video footage and stuff like that. But to see, you know, what was happening, like when you look at, you have two doors. You have an upper west terrace door, which is the very top um, um, terrace of the uh, Capitol, looking at it from the uh, the mall, and then you have what's called the lower west terrace. The lower west terrace door, we had video on. We were watching it from the command center, and I was watching that battle go on, and that that fight went on for hours. Little did we know, the door right above it. Someone, an officer, according to um, the the reporting now, escorted a couple of protesters that are inside the Capitol out, opened a fire door, which didn't resecure. You know, we're fighting like hell to defend the uh, door below while the door above is wide open. And, you know, you have 300 uh, uh, protesters entering through that door. Uh, yeah, that wasn't something at the time we knew about in the command center. I think that's come out with the uh, video. And I will tell you this. Um, all for the release of the video. I'm a. I'm all about transparency. I'm all about you know the uh, the facts getting out there. I think that you know some of, some of the video gets interpreted you know a little differently uh, how people watch it. But needless to say, uh, I just want to put that out there. I'm I'm you know all in favor of it being out. There is uh, a strong uh, apparent uh, apparently a feeling on the leadership of the Republican Party, uh, Speaker McCarthy and others, that to release that video would be to to jeopardize security. Uh, I am, as you would guess, given my career, I'm all about the public's right to know, and I'm all all squared up against uh, elites, no matter whether they be government officials, whomever they may be, uh, looking down on the American people as if they're idiot sheep uh, who can't make judgments for themselves. Uh, I really deeply resent what the Republicans are doing about this video, and I would I hope they change it. I want to get your opinion as well. Well, they're making a, a lot of it uh, available, and I will tell you the uh, there are probably are a very limited uh, instances where you know certain security uh, features and and concerns. Uh, could be portrayed and they could easily be blurred out. And I think those will be addressed. Um, so to blanketly uh, say they don't want to uh, release it, I think I think that wasn't good. You know, wasn't good. Now you look at any any crime that occurs anywhere, especially one involving police officers, the body worn cameras usually uh, released within two weeks. Uh, so you look at it. What, what concerns me is when you start seeing things like the January 6th committee using some of the video footage. Uh, and I'll tell you, all our all our camera systems have video. None of them have audio. Right. And there's a couple of instances where there was audio that was imported to make it sound more dramatic. Uh, let me tell you, if a police police officer, a police chief ever changed body worn camera footage and changed the audio, they'd be fired and probably brought up on charges. 
And that's exactly what the J6 committee did. Uh, and if that were only the only sin they committed, I, I think I might be somewhat assuaged. But uh, they committed uh, crime after crime against truth, reason, justice uh, and, and this nation. I, I think that the entire January 6th committee uh, should be brought up on charges for their despicable, uh, corrupt acts of political persecution. I want to ask you how. How large do you think the FBI contingents, with all of your knowledge, with the intelligence that you're being fed, uh, all that you're aware of, how big a role did the FBI play uh, in what happened on January 6th? That's I mean, that's 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 a pretty big question. Uh, how big of a role did they play? I'll tell you, um, when you when you when you look at it. And more and more information is coming out. I think the um, GAO just had a report that came out in March of 2023 that talked about like 41 federal agents were in the crowd. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I got a call shortly after January 6th uh, from a, a reporter. It's actually an overseas reporter. And they started asking about the FBI having uh, agents in the crowd tracking uh, domestic terrorists. And at the time, I thought, oh, well, I would have known if they were you know, tracking domestic terrorists. They would have obviously told me. I have a great relationship with the Bureau. Uh, and now you find out more and more. There's more reporting coming out. Now you find out the GAO is reporting there's multiple federal agents uh, in, in the crowd. Uh, you, you you begin to you begin to wonder, um, but I think there was probably there, I think there was probably a number of undercover. What role they played? Uh, I'd just it'd just be a guess. Yeah, you know, I mean it'd just be I, I can't can't really say what role they played, but it now appears that probably had some in the crowd. I, I I'll, I'll ask it this way: Do you think that Ray Epps is being protected by the FBI? Um, Your best judgment. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think another article came out today saying that it appears uh, there's some type of protection being done. You know, I, I I don't know. I will say, you know, I think he came out on 60 Minutes uh, and did an interview. And the one thing I'll say, he, he said he, he went up and what he was telling the off the uh, protester, what he went up and whispered in the protester's ear is, hey, these officers are our friends. They're they're not our enemies. Don't hurt the officers. And then immediately the guy attacks my officers. Let me let me ask you this. If you're going to go and you see all these confrontational protesters and you're going to tell them, hey, these officers, are, you know, they're doing their job. They're not our enemies or our friends. Don't attack them. Why would you go and whisper it in the person's ear and cover your cover your lips so people can't lip read? Uh, wouldn't you yell it to the entire group? It's something's just it, it's just not holding water in my view. Um, there's so many so many things to to January 6th that, you know, I, I address as many of them as I can in the book. That raised a lot of concerns, but that is definitely another one that I think um, just hasn't been fully answered, you know, his role. And the book is Courage Under Fire. I want to ask you here as uh, as we continue and approach uh, the end of this discussion, uh, Lieutenant Byrd, uh, Lieutenant Michael Byrd shot and killed Ashley Babbitt as she went through, uh, entered uh, an office area in the Capitol. Your thoughts about the way in which the department handled that uh, and whether or not Ashley Babbitt to this day deserves justice. You know, uh, like, like I said before, I think any lost life is is tragic. Um, you know, as I, as I explained before, I was immediately removed uh, after January 6th. So I had no involvement in uh, his investigation, no involvement in any of the review of the shooting, no involvement in, in any of that. So. Um, it'd, it'd be tough to guess. I do try and address that as best I can in the book in the sense of, you know, these officers, it took 
She was uh, she was shot actually while I was on the phone with the Pentagon begging for assistance uh, at 2:43 p.m. Uh, they broke the first window at 2:13. I think it was 2:11, 2:12, um, and that was 81 minutes into the fight. So these officers had been hearing the the group progressing, you know, getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, when you have a, a a protectee and it's a statutory uh, protectee as the, of the Capitol Police as the members of Congress, and you have people that are coming through and uh, if you feel it's a threat to bodily, serious bodily injury or death, uh, and they're coming through the last uh, uh, physical uh, divider you have between your uh, pro, your protectee, uh, I don't care if it's Secret Service at the White House or you know the uh, security over at the uh, Buckingham Palace. Uh, I think you know at that point you know officers are going to be rationed up and probably going to a higher level of force. So uh, I wasn't there for the investigation, so I can't really make a statement on you right. know, what I feel about it, but. Um, it was a bad situation. I'm just glad it wasn't worse. You know, people don't realize, you know, while I, during that 71 minutes while I was waiting for approval from the Capitol Police Board, I was still calling in all my friends. I called in 17 law enforcement agencies, over 1,700 officers, uh, and the, the, uh, restraint they used, I think they were very professional in how they handled things. Uh, and I'm just glad there were, you know, there wasn't more, uh, use of lethal force. Yeah, I am too, and I I have to tell you that 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 instance of uh, lethal force was not only regrettable, but I I think uh, frankly, um, it was a time when the the police department, the Capitol Police, should have without question uh, used due process and a full investigation rather than to simply dismiss it and uh, uh, try to brush it under the rug. Uh, I think that is an offense against everything this country stands for. Uh, and I, the one thing I'll add on that, just just from my experience with Washington, D.C., please, please realize anytime there's a, a homicide and her uh, um, uh, death would have been uh, declared a homicide. Just it's a process mm -hmm. of how um, the criminal investigation is done. The Washington, D.C. Police Department takes the lead investigation. So there would have been three agencies uh, investigating that. Uh, DOJ, um, FBI, DOJ, uh, Washington, D.C. Police would have had the lead, and then Capitol Police would have been support. So, you know, I wouldn't say it was completely dismissed um, uh, by any means. There would have been you know, some form of investigation. Not one that was transparent to the American people, I'll guarantee you that. Steve, you, do you feel like you are the scapegoat for what happened uh, for all sorts of reasons on January 6th? You know, I'll I'll tell you, um, there it's it gets real interesting. I don't want to you know put myself out there as the uh, as a scapegoat. I think um, full investigations need to be done. Uh, it would be nice to find out why intelligence was handled the way it was handled. Uh, it would be really nice, uh, you know, especially when when Mark Miller, General Milley, I'm sorry, General Milley, uh, Mark Milley, we know had communications with uh, Pelosi on a regular basis. Why he was so concerned about the level of intelligence he had. We know he had communications prior to January 6th with the uh, Speaker of the House. Uh, so the big question I have is, did she know the intelligence, uh, the threat that was coming? And why was the um, National Guard denied uh, and not sent to my my assistance when they had such a dire uh, concern just days before? Uh, so when you start looking at all that, something's just not adding up. Yeah. Well, so much doesn't add up about all of this. One, first and foremost to me, is the is the it's the issue of the political prisoners that are being held in the gulag of D.C., uh, the way in which they have been treated by the judiciary, by, uh, by the federal uh, Department of Justice and uh, the FBI, of course. 
It, it's an outrage. Uh, it's an obscenity what is happening to this country, its judicial system, its law enforcement, federal law enforcement. Uh, it's a shame. We always give our guests, Steve, uh, the last word. Uh, and I appreciate you uh, being with us. And I've enjoyed talking with you. And I appreciate you taking the time. Your concluding thoughts, if you will, sir. Uh, I would say I'm uh, absolutely agree uh, with you. You know, um, I'm really concerned. You know, FBI, we had a really good relationship with them. I just uh, I get concerned when you hear about what's going on over there. And uh, I'll tell you, with what's happening in our in our country, you know, uh, the American people need to wake up and see what's see what's happening. Um, and I'll tell you, there's you know, it's been great talking to you. There's so much more uh, to what I, what happened up there. So. You know, I appreciate the comments about the book. I think people will get a lot out of it, but it's been uh, a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I just hope, you know, as more investigations are done, more answers will come out of this and, you know, things will actually actually uh, be corrected. Well, I would like you to come back and let's continue our conversation uh, and soon, if you will. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Our guest here tomorrow will be a special guest who's called out the Bidens and the Department of Justice prosecutor who put him in prison for contributing money to the Bidens. Our guest is businessman Chris Tagani, who says David Weiss and the Biden Department of Justice gave Hunter Biden the sweetest deal imaginable for committing crimes far more serious than anything Tagani was accused of. Please be with us tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs, on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight. And be sure to check out our new LouDobbs.com website for all your latest news, headlines, and opinion. We hope you'll join us back here tomorrow for The Great America Show. Till then, thanks, God bless you, God bless America.